Salutations, and shit, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of your favorite travel podcast, Travel and Shit, where I, your host, D. Carrie, have an experiential conversation about the nuanced ways that travel intersects with regular life. Um, diving right into the episode, y'all know how I love an adventure on vacation, right? So I will do some really, um, what's the word? I almost said, um, something I didn't want to say. I'll do some wild shit, uh, discuss this. I want to say last episode or the episode before, um, by wild shit, I mean, swimming with stingrays, swimming with sea lions, um, climbing an active volcano more than once. Um, what are you doing? Zip lining over the, over the trees in the, guess it's a rainforest. Not sure. I've done some really adrenaline rising, uh, shit. Great time. Fun, fun times. Loved it all. The one thing that I will say that I booked that I didn't even know if I would be able to complete was actually the swimming with the mantas. They're the way I remember the Google search is they're basically like huge fucking stingrays, but they're supposed to be like not dangerous. Anyway, I was terrified, but I booked it, went on the trip anyway, ended up not doing it. All that to say, I am quite different on vacation than I am in regular life. I am more inclined to take risks. I am more inclined to step outside of my comfort zone while I travel. I've had those conversations, but I haven't necessarily touched on a specific way that I see it in regular life. I just know it happens and baby, it hit me so hard the other day. I was actually revisiting the hobby I told y'all about. So back in July or August, I mentioned that I bought myself a Nintendo Switch and I will affectionate, affectionately say that my mama bought it for me because she ended up like gifting me way more than the switch was. So my thanks. I, <laughs> I mean, you more than paid that bill. So, um, I got a switch for my birthday. Thanks mom. And I played for a little bit and I actually ended up doing like a little test run the trip after new Orleans, because we ended up driving down. So on the way back, we stopped in Virginia and hung out with my cousins She's got two kids, I want to say 14 and like five. So they've got a switch, tapped in with the kids, and we played for like a day. And I was totes into it, ready to spend the money because I was a Sega household, only ever owned Sega systems until I bought a PlayStation. I think I have like a PlayStation 3. I don't even know what it is. I only bought it because it had a Blu-ray and I just wanted to watch DVDs. Um partial lie. I have owned Nintendo. I bought a Wii, played that maybe 15, 25 times in the entirety of having the system. I ended up just giving that to a friend's kid or God kid or something. Cause I wasn't playing it. So I have to say, I am not a gamer. I'm not 
not against it, just not really my bag, right? My dad plays, my little brother played, um, and they were pretty into it. My dad probably plays every day, if not every other day. He's Call of Duty, that's his bag. I had only had experience on the Switch in uh, Mario Kart. Was totes into it more for the little ancillary games that it has, but say all that to say, got it for myself. Not really digging the uh, Mario games. So I kind of tried something different and it just wasn't my thing. But I dove into Tears of the Kingdom, which is a Zelda game, and I'm in love. I love strategy. I want to think. I want to fit because dexterity, like, you know, being able to move the controller and having my hands do what my brain wants it to do. I'm, I'm just not there. I don't know what the controllers do. I don't know what all that, that is confusing. That is difficult for me. So I wasn't enjoying it until I started getting into Zelda lost. And by lost, I mean, like I had made so much progress died to the point where I basically had to start the game again, gave it a pause. I gave it a break because it just wasn't fun anymore. My competitive spirit was getting the best of me. So I was seeing how regular life me was showing up in like fake life me. And by fake life mean, I mean a hobby. And it clicked for me the other day. And it was just like, why am I playing this game? Like I live my life. It's a fucking game. What do I have to lose? I can die in the game. I can die a million times over and come back. Why am I so afraid of taking risks? Why am I so afraid of trying something different? Travel me will take the risks. Travel me will dive into this shit. Travel me will get in the car. Travel me will walk down the block. Travel me will do a lot of things that home me won't do. I had a past episode um, where I had a therapist come on and we tried to get into that. I just don't know if I was asking the right questions or maybe she wasn't the right type of clinician to ask the questions. It was actually a really good interest, a really good conversation, but I know what I went into it, like the science of risk. Why are we more interested in taking risks when we travel versus when we're home, right? Because it's not like the consequences are completely different. We could fucking die on vacation. (laughs) We could get very hurt on vacation. And in a lot of instances, the consequences of those actions, like getting hurt or uh, dying on vacation are bigger consequences than if it happens at home, right? Because at home, you're at least surrounded by your support system, God willing. I know not everybody has that. That is a blessing to have. And I'm very fortunate to have a very strong support system. I know that home, I'm good. I can make a call. Someone will make a call on my behalf and I'll be taken care of. Abroad, whether it be in country and out of state or whether it be out of the country, um, I'm way more on my own. I can call for help, but there are likely limitations to the, uh, the type of help I may be able to get depending on my location, how far I am from my family or what the actual cost of the type of help will be that it is I'm seeking. That being the case, I was so like taken aback. I wasn't necessarily upset. I wasn't, it wasn't like good or bad. It wasn't right or wrong. Thanks, Momentum. It was just information. 
I realized that I was playing small in a situation where it was completely inconsequential as to what the actual consequential, the consequences were going to be. And so I ask you, how are you showing up when you have the opportunity to be the self you want to be? This isn't like self-actualizing. This isn't like, it's, I, I feel like it doesn't have to be that deep, but it's like, take your risks where you can take them. Find the excitement and find the joy in being the version of you that you say that you want to be in the instances that you can be. I know that I say, I want to do more. I want to get out more. I want to experience more. I want to interact with uh, people more. And by interact with people more, do I really mean that? I do, but in a controlled sense, I'm not a fan of crowds. I'm not a fan of strangers. Um, to me, it's just like that lack of control. There are a lot of variables that you can't really call. I don't really know what's going on with other people. But when I have a better sense of the crowd that I'm going to be in, when I know who all over there and why we're there, I personally feel more comfortable. So that's not necessarily what I mean. I mean that in the sense that you see where you have the opportunity to step into something that you have actively said you wanted to change or actively said you wanted to improve, remove the barriers. This was a barrier I didn't even have to move. I absolutely had the option and the choice to step up and step out and to really explore how many different ways can I think of solving this problem? Let's just try, fuck it, let's die. Let's do the shit that I know is probably going to kill me, but how fast is it going to kill me? Will I live long enough to at least answer a question that I have or solve part of a problem? I could not get out of the cold weather area. Um, and I, I, I just, I couldn't figure it out. And I was, one of the things that came to mind first was just jump in the water. It's going to kill you because it's like extreme cold. I know that the little character, I don't got no more, the, the little elixir that, let you fight off the extreme cold. But I realized, all right, so I'm gonna die anyway. So why not make it worth it? Why not make my death, um, have it answer a question, solve an ill or a problem. And so I just did that for a while. I did a bunch of different things that I knew I was going to die in the game, but I was able to get certain questions I had about playing answered. And then I was saying to, um, it's a boyfriend. Like, I don't know how to get out of this. And he's just like, fucking look it up. Just like go online. This is where the internet is going to help you. But I'm just stuck on, but I don't want to cheat. Like it, I just feel like the joy is supposed to be in playing the game. The joy is supposed to be in figuring out like, that's the point in playing the game. Why does it have to be that big a deal? It's a game. Look up how to solve your problem. You've got the tools. And so it was just one, this is absolutely one of those end shit kind of episodes started with travel, but then it just becomes more of life. And that's the beauty in travel and shit, right? That's the beauty in travel is that travel will permeate its way into so many different little pockets and crevices of regular life. If you let it, I saw where I was, I don't want to say being my best self, but I was being a version of myself that I really liked and that I really enjoyed. And I kind of saw it in 
playing the video games and actively engaging in this hobby that I was interested in, curious in, but I limited myself the way that I do in life because I'm very risk averse. I'm very, um, I guess, consequence aware. Like I am always considering what the fuck am I giving up by making this choice? What the fuck am I risking by making this choice? Like what are the and ors, right? The cost analysis, the value of the decision that I'm making. And when you find the space to let the weight of that go, when you find the space, when you find the opportunity to do what it is you want to do, don't let yourself get in the way. When you find the opportunity, when that sale on them flights pop up, book the flight. When you see like, "Mm, I've never stayed at this kind of property. Like I'd really be curious, but I don't know. Like this is kind of fucking do it. It's not like the end of the world. I find that I have spent so much time worrying about what the right or the wrong decision would be that I tend not to make a decision. And I do that in situations where I don't have to do that. And this was absolutely a reminder for myself and so I am pouring into you the same reminder, don't make more things, don't make things more difficult than they have to be. I'm very good at that. And I'm trying <laughs> not to be, but that was absolutely a reminder for me this past week. And I wanted to share that with you. Um, also wanted to touch on an, a hot topic, if you will. Uh, so we recently heard about the poor passenger. My heart goes out to this motherfucker um, because I would die. I would, I would literally just die. The guy that, or girl, don't know, wasn't inclined to look into more information, but the person that just had explosive diarrhea on the plane. Um, terrible, terrible experience for that person. Sorry to that man or um, to whomever, but um, that fucking sucks. But it is a very very, I don't want to say timely, but, um, pertinent, prudent reminder that planes are fucking gross. Y'all, they are absolutely disgusting. So I dropped a link in the description box. There is an article I want to say by the Washington post from, uh, almost a week ago at this point, I skimmed through that, read that over there basically cleaning the planes once a day, once a flight, unless it's a biohazard, I don't even think the airline is required. Like they don't have to like reseat you or give you another seat. Two people were removed from their flight after refusing to sit in seats that had a throw up. Um, yeah, yeah. I would be, uh, uh, you know, finding me another flight as well. Cause no, I'm not sitting in that. Um, but then keep in mind, not everybody's traveling for leisure. Some people have to be where they're going, right? Not everybody is traveling for vacation. Some people are traveling for fucking work. Some people are flying for family emergencies. Some people also struggle with speaking up and advocating for themselves. Can you imagine how miserable, miserable, You would be if you had to sit in a situation for four, 12, two, give me, 
45 minutes in any situation where you are grossly uncomfortable, me fucking hell. I cannot imagine. I don't want to have to imagine. But this is my reminder to you that those shits are absolutely disgusting. Please clean your fucking seats. They did mention that uh, flying in the morning is probably a better option because if that's the first flight of the day, you would hope that the plane has been, you know, thoroughly cleaned because it's the start of a new rotation. But what if this flight just came in from an overnight flight and it's going right back out? You don't fucking know. So I don't trust that piece of information either. The point is pack your Clorox wipes. Pack your Lysol wipes. Pack whatever disinfectant it is. The wipes are the easiest, but please pack those. You could pack a pair of gloves so that you can wipe all that shit off, pull it all together, put it in the little seat cushion so they come back around. And what's beautiful about using the gloves is that when you pull off the glove, you can pull the um the wipe into the glove so that you could just touch the outside of the glove. Well, the inside of the glove after you've taken it off. You hold it in your, like, hold the wipe in your hand. Y'all remember this? All my uh, 80s babies raised in the 90s. Mm-hmm. But take off your glove, you know, finger slipped under, and then you pull the glove off while holding your cleaning wipes. Yeah. And then you just pull the glove over the wipes. So let's say you can pull it out of the seat back when the attendants come down the aisles to collect trash. So pro tip there. But Wipe y'all seats down. Wipe them nasty ass seat belts down. Nobody cares about your safety the way you care about your safety. Clean that shit up. Wipe it down. Some oh, wipe me down. Happy 50th birthday to hip hop. Um, check out that article. List like the way the the little anecdotes about just grossness. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. And if you ever lived on campus, it's like a really, really strong reminder if you haven't found it anywhere else in life. And I'd be hard pressed to think that you haven't, but your clean isn't necessarily somebody else's clean. I would hope that your clean is a higher standard than the other person's clean. But the point is just because someone else thinks it's clean doesn't necessarily mean that you think it's clean. You got people that are just trying to work, people that hate their job the same way that you hate your job. You got people that are stressed about shit that's going on in their regular life. So when they're trying to clean this plane and they got their boss yelling down their necks talking about, I need this done, this done, this done. Not everybody's going to do the most spectacular job. Look at the, I mean, then also consider the conditions that people are working under. Turnover is fast. Everybody's job is short staff. There's a lot of things going on. So I don't assume for one, that my idea, my standard of clean is ever upheld in a public space. Two, I don't expect that somebody that's getting paid to clean anything is going to be treated fairly or given all the tools that they may need because this is fucking America. If we're being honest, I really, really truly do not believe that the average person is respected on their job as it is. So I'm not expecting people to go above and beyond for a bunch of strangers when they job and even taking care of them on the most basic of levels. That being the case, I clean my shit down. I always ride with my little mask. 
and by little, I mean KN95, um, whether you do or not, that's your business. I'm telling y'all what I do. Same way I do every week when I talk about the other shit that I do when I travel. I am just letting you know that there are documented pieces of information saying that these planes aren't deep cleaned between flights in a day, like many of us may have thought that they were. And the idea of what deep cleaning is, is basically left up to the airline. Look at what the fuck they're putting us in as it is between seat backs, not going back between the, the air, what do you call it? The headphone jacks, not working between your monitor, not working, plenty of things we've seen wrong on flights. I'm going to uh, expect and assume that they've kept that same energy in cleaning the plane. So, excuse me, definitely check out the article in the description box from the Washington Post. It's not necessarily um, new information, but little pieces, little details of things that we all know that it's just like, oh, wow, wow. So no, I may have considered being lazy about it, but not no more, not no more. And it's not like airline or plane chaos is new. It's just that we all on social media now. So we're all going to hear about it more so. And it's just like, now that you have the information, why not use the information? We know shit is fucking gross. Ungross it. Please clean y'all seats. So um, that was my little headline for the episode. And thank you to the sponsor of this next segment, the listener question, Bedside Glow. Don't forget to use code TNS20. Um, so that you can get 20% off of your purchase. That is, um, let's see where the question was, where the question was. Thank you to our sponsor for sponsoring the listener question. CNS 20, 25% off bedsideglow.com link is in the description box um it was right here i i truly had it open i was prepared this week and then i wasn't prepared here we go um thank you to this humanoid my girl Brittany, for this question don't forget on fridays i will post a prompt for you guys to ask me your travel questions so that I can um, share my wealth of information, my opinion, um, generally my opinion. This is not a uh, scholarly program here. Uh, But Brittany asked, what is your least favorite place to travel? Baby, got the answer. Easy one, Nashville, not a fan. I've been to Nashville maybe three or four times now. And while I have always gone for one of the best reasons to go, and that best reason being my best friend, um, sadly, she lives in a relatively small town in Kentucky. And so Nashville is like her hub. So we will come to Nashville for the good eats, for some things to do. But um, 
whenever I've gone to Nashville, I unfortunately have had, I've always in some facet found my way to Kentucky to hang out with best friend. That's always the best part. So I guess not like my least favorite place in that sense, because I know what the reason I'm there for, but I will say that, and it could just be because I've got a pre-existing idea of what Nashville is supposed to be. And I don't get that experience. I am expecting more of what I got from Seattle. Seattle was more live music, bar scene, bar hopping, just felt like shit was more accessible. And the reason why I had that great a time in Seattle was because I was with my best friend's brother. Shout out to Dr. Rob. Uh, Best friend's brother is a doctor out in Seattle. And I remember I'd gone out there and I was just killing time before I ended up going to Canada. And she was like, girl, hit up Robbie. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. Cause it's her big brother. So I'm just like, you know, older siblings, a lot of times older siblings don't want to fuck with their friends. I mean, their siblings, friends. And it's just like, oh, well, I don't know if you want to be my friend. And he was just like, girl, come on down. We're not that far off in age. So he definitely took really great care of me. Thanks again to Rob. Um, and we had so much fucking fun. And it turns out that a lot of his friends out there actually own bars, go figure. So we did like bar crawls to different house parties. We went to bars that his friends own. We went to like a chocolate factory. We ended up going to, he dropped me, where did he drop me? Um, is it Pike Place, Pike Street? I want to say it's Pike Place only because it's where the, I think it's the first Starbucks location is in that general area. I didn't go there, but I ended up getting this tattoo, my little tree of life, if you will. Long story to that. Um, but I had such a good fucking time in Seattle. I really, really, really did. I was not expecting that at all. I ended up booking my Airbnb in Tequila, which was picturesque. It was just where I stayed was awesome. Great views. I mean, see the mountains and everything. Absolutely gorgeous. But thankfully, Rob was just like, check this out. I'm gonna come get you. We're gonna hit this party. But I want to drive all the way back out here. So if you want to drive all the way back here, cool. I got you. No pressure. But if you're going to stay out by me, please bring your bags because I want to come back. So I'm like, what? Absolutely. Why would I stay by myself with a bunch of strangers when I can stay with somebody that I actually know and won't kill me or make me uncomfortable? So did that. Mad fun. And I don't know why, but I always expect that type of experience from Nashville. So for me, Nashville is my um, least favorite place to visit. I will say in fairness, when I do end up in Nashville, it generally has to be like a kid-friendly trip because best friend's daughter is um, preteen. She'll be a teenager soon. Um, But so we're not doing late night stuff. We're not doing bar hopping. We're not doing, you know, just having fun adult conversation, kicking back with some drinks and the shit. So that's not really the energy that's happening. The one time that I did do an adult friendly version of Nashville was just my partner and I, because we were surprising Bestie for her birthday. And we stayed um, in Nashville before we drove out to go see her. So it was just us. We went to a restaurant. um, I think we had gone to Peg Lake Porker. Now, 
the whiskey is good. I want to say it's the eight-year whiskey. That shit was fucking delicious. Absolutely enjoyable. Bartender put us on. I don't drink alcohol straight, baby. Add me a couple ice cubes. I drank that. I drank. I drank that shit neat. Um, It was beautiful. Well, chilled. I'd say chilled. I don't know if neat means... Well, I feel like neat just means you don't have a chaser in it. Don't know. Don't matter. Um, Added a few ice cubes and the shit was great. So the whiskey was good. The food... I've barbecued better shit myself. And I actually don't enjoy cooking. Not a fan. Three out of ten. Wouldn't recommend. But I can cook. I'm actually a pretty damn good cook. And I can even grill. Also don't want to though. So that being said, I have had an adult experience and it still wasn't giving what I wanted it to give. Where we ended up going, in fairness, it wasn't too much going on in the area that kind of enticed us to after we ate want to go we also had just driven for most of the day in fairness but yeah not not a fan of nashville i keep trying though i do i really do keep trying i keep trying to have a bomb time it hasn't happened for me yet but Britt, that is my answer to that question not in a don't go to nashville But I would say if you're going to go, go and stay in an area where you know there's going to be shit that you want to do. Stay in an area where you know that there is interest to you so that you are much more readily available to things that will um, occupy your time and not make you feel as if you've wasted your money traveling there or wasted your time being in a particular area over another area. And that's just general rule of thumb for most destinations, unless you're specifically there for a reason, whether it be work, school, family, medical reasons, or whatever million other reasons why people have to be someplace and don't necessarily choose to be someplace. If you've got the option or the opportunity to choose, I would always say, unless you know yourself to be a free ball kind of bitch, I am not. I am absolutely not tried that not a fan i don't enjoy it stresses me out i love planned spontaneity i have to go in with an idea i have to go in with intentions and designs on doing something and i'm always okay with a change of plans i'm always okay with getting their vibe check this vibe check this is not for me and turning my happy ass right the fuck around and doing something else however That is only comfortable to me if I have already planned to do something and I get there and it just ends up not being what I want. So I would always recommend look into what your options are. Sometimes, not sometimes, all the time. I personally think it is worth it to spend a little bit more to either stay in an accommodation that lets you walk if you have the ability to walk or to stay someplace if even if you can't walk Stay someplace where you don't necessarily need to drive yourself or you don't need to be driven. And if um, cars aren't even the main option for transportation, what's the public transportation look like? Is it something that you'd be willing to venture onto? Is it something that you have the ease of paying for? Look into whether or not you can pay with cash. Do you need to um, 
exchange your currency in order to pay for the public transit? Can you just use like tap it with your card or tap it with your phone? Like a lot of places do or don't have those capabilities. So that's something to consider if you are going to stay someplace and utilize the public transportation. Don't forget that. But um, I personally, in my experience, have always found it, and this is from learning the hard way, I've always found it to be more beneficial to me to stay closer to what my purpose for being there is. When we went for um, Beyonce, part of why I spent so much on the accommodations that I chose was because I knew that I could walk to the concert as opposed to spending an extra $100 on Ubers back and forth. Now, mind you, that Uber, One Direction from the Joseph to whatever that stadium was, where the show was held, was a $40 Uber one way. So the way back would have obviously been $40 or better. And mind you, it was a walkable distance. It wasn't even a mile. I, It was less than a mile, more than half a mile, I want to say. But um, yeah, about 15 minute walk. Maybe a little bit longer in the sweltering heat because we slowed the fuck down. But say all that to say, save myself $100, give or take, right, in transportation just by being able to walk. But I bet you I could have saved $100 on my accommodations had I stayed someplace further. But as close as I was, that taxi, that Uber was still $40 one way. You feel me? And it was a walking distance. So if I had stayed further away, the Uber to get there would have been even more than $40. So either way, the shit was going to run me. So my point is, course analysis, like I had said earlier, I tend to lean into what does this decision cost me? Am I going to uh, spend more in stress? Because now I'm thinking out all the different ways to uh, save money to get myself there. And what time do I have to leave to accommodate for taking the train because the Ubers is wild. And so now I can't do that. Or now I got to walk halfway there so that I cannot feel crazy spending $150. I didn't know it was going to cost this much shit. And when we went to New Orleans, we didn't know that the Whitney Plantation tour that we had booked was in an area that wasn't accessible by um, rideshare apps. So you could take a, a rideshare app there, but to get back, it was just in a neighborhood that just really ain't fuck with that. It just wasn't a big thing. It could work. It might not work. But they basically told you in your, um, I want to say it wasn't in the confirmation. It wasn't in the booking, which was disappointing. I didn't see a note to that until we got the um, email like the day before saying, hey, reminder about your visit to this destination. And that's when they said, hey, pro tip, um, you could take a rideshare app here, but we don't guarantee that you'll be able to get one to get back. So that's something to consider. I always, always, always um, advocate to spend a little bit more and stay in the mix of where you know you're going to be just so that you save yourself the time, energy, and the money of getting yourself back and forth. Um, so this was another short episode. Got you the information. We got to the point. Let me know what your sweet spot is. Do we like these short boom, boom, booms? Or do we like, you know, a little more dragging? Holla at me. 
D-C-A-R-R-I-E at travelandshitpodcast.com. I would love to hear from you guys. And in that email box, please continue to drop what your um, suggestions and ideas for five years. Five years. Next month will be five years of travel and shit. I would love to celebrate in a way that is meaningful to more than just me. What do y'all want to do? What are we doing for our birthday? Um, so holla at the kid. I would love to uh, hear your feedback. So um, that's it for this week. Hope you enjoyed and I'll holla at you on the flip side. Bye y'all. Looking for last minute weekend getaway? I've got you covered. I have five road trips already planned for you. They're all a few hours from New York City, so they're the perfect trips for anybody on the East Coast to tap into. Whether you're looking for family friendly, a romantic getaway, something leisure, activities filled, history and heritage filled, or if you want to spend the weekend stuffing your face. The packet has it all. It was designed to take all the guesswork and planning off of your plate. You choose based on the vibe or the distance. Included in the packet are itineraries for weekend trips to Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Hartford, Connecticut, Johnson and Burlington, Vermont, and Montreal, Canada. It includes packing lists, a pre-trip car prep guide, and travel and shit podcast playlists of road trip content. These itineraries are perfect for travelers who enjoy having a plan with space for spontaneity. Save yourself the time of planning and skip to the getaway. Let this itinerary pack take the stress of planning and packing off of the table while you focus on the road. Visit travelandshitpodcast.com slash travel resources to download your copy.